Enchantment is guaranteed when you listen to Magic and the Law of Attraction with Madame Pamita, episode 48. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madame Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Magic and the Law of Attraction, how to use an offering bowl. Have you ever seen a bowl full of fruit or nuts set out on an altar or Maybe you've seen like something like a glass of water or a cookie or a cup of coffee. These are just a few of the things that can be left out on an altar or in a place outside for the ancestors, the spirits, or the deities. But if these non-corporeal beings don't have bodies, why do we leave food and drink out for them? And if we leave these things out for them, How long do we leave them out for? Well, in this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction, we're going to explore all of this and also learn what kind of things are appropriate offerings, how to make offerings, where to leave them, and most importantly, how to use an offering bowl. So I can't wait to jump into this. But before we do, I just have one little announcement. Do you know that I have a brand new book out? I do. It's called Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, and it's a really exciting book of ancient Slavic magical practices, in particular Ukrainian magical practices. In this book, you'll sit at Baba Yaga's side and listen to her stories about the birth of the sun, the land of the blessed ones, and the spirits that live right beside us. More importantly, you'll learn the secrets of her magic. You'll learn how to do crafts, make talismans, how to do incantations, work with inscriptions and rituals that will allow you to discover your own Baba Yaga within. You can order yours from all of the usual places, indiebound.org, bookshop.org, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, or even better, order it from your local bookshop or metaphysical shop. And then when you do that, you help the bookshop, you help yourself because you get an amazing book. And when the bookshop sees the book that you're ordering, they sometimes order a second copy or more for the shop too. So it really helps to get the word out there when you do that. But you can also order a personalized signed copy directly from me by going to Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft. And while you're there, you can get a sneak peek at the introduction, the table of contents, and chapter one. So you can find it all by going to babayagasbookofwitchcraft.com. So let's get started and talk about how to make offerings to the spirits and how to use an offering bowl. The practice of making offerings to spirits is really very, very old. It goes back to prehistoric times and is multicultural. It really is cross-cultural. Every culture, pretty much, if you dig back far enough, has a history of using offerings for offerings to deities, to spirits, to ancestors, 
you name it. So who can you make an offering to in this way? Well, like I mentioned, you can do it to your deities, deities like gods and goddesses, for example. You can also do it to spirits. Spirits could be ones that may not be, they might be demi-deities or they might be spirits like Baba Yaga um, or the house spirit or the forest spirit, as we've talked about in um, my other podcast, Baba Yaga's Magic. So you can make offerings to spirits as well. A real way to make an offering is to make an offering to uh, ancestors, your ancestors who are the people in your family lineage, whether you are adopted or your bloodline, both can be used and you can make offerings to those ancestors as well. You can make offerings to saints. Maybe a saint did something for you, helped you with something that you were working on and you want to make an offering to say thank you. You can do that as well. You can make offerings to the spirits of the land, the water, the air. You can make you know, offerings in those ways. So spirits that aren't necessarily humanoid, you can make those offerings. You can make offerings to the spirits of animals outside in nature. And of course, you can make offerings to Mother Earth. Now, why would we make offerings? Well, the idea of making offerings really goes back to animism. Animism is the very, very, very ancient belief that predates gods and goddesses and the pantheons that we see. And in animism, the belief is that everything has energy and everything has life force. So whether it's the rock that you look at, the big boulder over there, or the tiny little pebble, if it's the water, if it's the clouds in the sky, they all have life force, energy, and personality. And so whether you're making an offer to offering to spirits, to ancestors, to anything that's in this earth, you can tap into that energy. Now, ancient people believed the idea that spirit energies and exchanges were quid pro quo. So quid pro quo is a Latin phrase that means what for what. And what it means when we use it in English, it means that you're exchanging something. I'm giving you this and you give me something back. So if I, for example, fix your plumbing and you come over to my house and fix my roof, we're doing an exchange that's quid pro quo. We're doing one thing for another thing and it's an exchange. It can be also, you know, sort of defined as like you're doing a favor for a favor or there's give and take, tit for tat, or I'll scratch, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours or one hand washes the other. These are all those concepts that we're doing in exchange and helping each other out in some way. So quid pro quo offerings are a very old animistic tradition. And why we would do this quid pro quo is what that we would want to uh, build a relationship with a spirit. So let's say, for example, as we've talked about before in Baba Yaga's Magic podcast, we've talked about working with the spirit of the forest, the Lisovuk. So the Lisovuk, you would leave an offering to the Lisovuk so that you could move through the forest without being harmed or getting lost, right? So you'd leave an offering to him in exchange for his protection or just so that he wouldn't bother you. Usually there's some kind of exchange that happens that's sort of defined. You wouldn't just leave an offering. You could just leave an offering. That's certainly one way to say thank you or to do that, but you usually have some kind of quid pro quo arrangement. Now, if you were working with, for example, the hidden folk, which would be fairies, elves, um, devas, you know, and those sorts of um, spirits that live around in the world, you would often give this quid pro quo offering so that they wouldn't 
take something from you forcibly. If you've ever worked, for example, with a house spirit, the Domovic, if you don't make offerings to him, he can hide the things in your house when you're trying to look for them, keys or things that you need. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't find that thing that I literally just put down on the table. That could be some of the hidden folk or some of these spirits saying, hey, you need to pay attention to me. And as soon as you do start making offerings and paying attention, guess what? Your stuff shows up again. So this is a way of sort of avoiding problems and making our you know movement through the world and our movement and exchange interactions with the spirit world to be smooth and to be kind and fair and to give them acknowledgement and so on. Now, you can also make offerings to deities. So deities don't necessarily do those tricky things like a um, house spirit or another kind of spirit would. With deities, you might be making an offering to build a relationship with them. You can do that with spirits as well to create a connection. You might do it to say thank you to them, or you might be asking them for something. There's the quid pro quo. Please bless my house, or please help me to get my job, or please help me to bring love into my life. And you're making this offering in the hopes that your deity would then bless you with that, with that blessing that you're asking for. Offerings to ancestors uh, can also happen as well. And usually the offerings to ancestors might be a little more friendly and casual, you know, that you might, we're going to talk about the things that you might leave for your your ancestors and so on in a little bit. But those offerings to the ancestors um, might be more casual because you already have a relationship to them. You're not building necessarily a relationship to your ancestors. You already have a relationship to them. So more often we do that just to be um, honoring them or to be connecting more deeply with them. But it wouldn't be necessarily a big ritual that you would do. You might do it a little more like an everyday thing. This idea of making an offering is to really develop reciprocity that you're going, you're having an exchange back and forth. This is the way we, as spiritualists or animists, we move in the world is that we want to build relationships with the spirit world. And so by leaving these offerings, every time we do, we're deepening and strengthening that relationship that we have to the spirits. And it's really an important thing to do. Offerings and leaving offerings are really um, a very fundamental cornerstone of many, many, many spiritual practices. I think, you know, you can almost 100% see that there's some kind of offerings. Now, offerings could be something like prayer. That's considered an offering as well. But what we're going to be talking about here is actually making offerings, and in particular, making food offerings to spirit. As I mentioned before, they can be done as an act of devotion. Oh, I'm honoring this deity or I'm honoring this spirit and I want to make an offering just to say, I appreciate you and I appreciate you being out there. It can also be a way of showing respect and gratitude. We think about like ancestors, for example, thank you for watching over me or thank you for, you know, your house spirit watching over the house and so on. An offering can also be done just to say hello. If you're getting introduced to a new spirit that you are wanting to work with, whether it's a spirit, a saint, a deity, and you've never worked with them before, an offering is a great way to introduce yourself and to show that you're going to be uh, devoted and you're going to come with generosity, that you're not just coming in and saying to a spirit or a deity, hey, I need you to do something for me. They're not your servants, so you can't order them around like that. You want to build a relationship with them, just like you wouldn't walk up to a stranger on the street and grab them and say, hey, give me $20. That's crazy. (laughs) So you don't want to do that 
to our spirits, our deities, or our ancestors. You don't just start off by asking for something. You start out first getting to know them and letting them get to know you. So this can start, build, or maintain those relationships with the deities, the spirits, the ancestors, and so on. So offerings are a great place to start, whether you do ask them for something or you just want to show them a little love and show them some gratitude. Offerings themselves have energy and life force. So whatever you are offering to the spirits or the deities has life force because as animists, as if you have an animistic bent like I do, you see that everything has life force. Food has life force. Um, resins, plants have life, life force. Um, stones, rocks, money has life force. All of it has force. In the case of money, it has energy around it, right? Money does have energy. It's not a piece of paper. It has energy. It's like somebody's labor went into getting that $20 bill. So if you're leaving an offering of a $20 bill, it has energy. Food has energy. It's got, it's made of plants or it's made out of, you know, some kind of animal product. It has energy to it. So all of these things have energy. And that's what the spirits and the deities are feeding off of. They're feeding off the energy of the offering. So now let's talk about an offering bowl. So an offering bowl is a dedicated bowl or tray. Sometimes we can have an offering tray, but bowl seems to be the handiest way of making offerings. And an offering bowl is a dedicated bowl that is set aside for working with your spirits, your deities, or your ancestors. Can you use a regular bowl that's just like in your kitchen cupboard? Yeah, you can. It's not, you know, against the rules to do that. But remember, we want to create something very special for our our spirits when we're working with them. And so by having a special bowl that's set aside for the offerings, it offers some extra benefits that a regular bowl out of our kitchen cupboard doesn't offer. Number one, that special bowl will remind you to make offerings to your ancestors or to your spirits, right? If you see that bowl and you see it sitting around on your table, you're like, oh, that's right. I have to make an offering to my ancestors or my spirits or my deities. The bowl also becomes a special gift for those spirits and deities. And that can also be a very special way of working. Like, just like if you had a special honored guest come into your house and you would have like, maybe you would buy a special dinner place setting, you know, to offer them just the very, very best as they came in. And that then becomes a gift in and of itself. The bowl and the offering in the bowl become a gift. And that bowl can also take on the energy of being an altar itself. It then becomes consecrated as a sacred item. And having it be a sacred item rather than, you know, the bowls and dishes that you use every day can be a great benefit to the offering that you're making. It can just add that extra energy. So, you know, for example, I will give you an example. If you listen to my podcast episode about the Domovic over at Baba Yaga's Magic, I talk about the Domovic, which is the house spirit. And I mention having a little offering bowl to the Domovic to make your Domovic offerings in. You put your offerings in that special bowl. It's for the Domovic only. Now we keep those dishes with our family dishes, which makes the Domovic who's an ancestor spirit, feel like part of the family, but they have their own special bowl. You know what that reminds me of? When you were a little kid, did you have a special 
dish or a bowl that you like to eat out of. Maybe it had a picture at the bottom. I can remember things like having a cereal bowl or having a spoon. I had a, a, a little spoon that had Mary Poppins on the handle. And that was my special spoon that I like to use all the time because I loved Mary Poppins. So if you think about like these things, like when you're little and how excited you would get out of like your special bunnykins dish or your special dish with, uh, you know, some cartoon character on it or your special spoon. This is the way we can honor our spirits by having them have a dish that is, you know, part of the family dish, but it's their special dish. It's their special bowl that we're going to use for them. Offering bowls can be made out of virtually anything. I mean, actually offering bowls, if we call an offering bowl can be a bowl, but it can also be a plate or a tray or a cup or even a cauldron. Those offering bowls that you set aside for the spirits are very special. And so find something that's a little bit special. You can find some, you know, an offering bowl made out of any, really any kind of natural material. It could be made out of ceramic or porcelain. It could be made out of stone. Like, for example, we have some bowls that are soapstone bowls at the shop. We also have bowls made out of gemstones like um, black agate and uh, quartz crystal. And so you can find a beautiful bowl made out of a gemstone or soapstone, for example. You could also have a bowl made out of wood, or it could be like a cast iron cauldron or a metal bowl, brass bowl of some kind, or even glass. So choose a material for that bowl that's pleasing to you or you think is special and nice. And that's really a great guideline for choosing a bowl. What I don't recommend that you do is, again, don't probably don't pull out one of your own bowls out of the the cupboard and use that unless you're in a pinch and you have no other choice, then of course you can do that. And I really don't recommend using plastic bowls or paper bowls or plates because, nah, you know, it's not very, it's, I guess if you're desperate and you had nothing else that would work, but that shouldn't be the first choice for sure. You know, plastic, we don't need more plastic in the world. That for sure we don't need. And paper plates are kind of a little like, I don't really care about you. You know, if some honored guest came to your house, would you serve them on a paper plate? I don't know. It wouldn't seem very, um, very welcoming. You know, it's fine for your day to day, but you know, for your honored spirits, you want to give them something a little nice, upgraded a little bit, right? You can also make your own bowl. I think about like, if you know how to throw pottery or you can make a pinch pot, or you can even make a a bowl out of Sculpey or some of these things that you can get at the craft store. You can make a bowl, even make a paper mache bowl, different than a paper plate. You could make a paper mache bowl and put like, you know, dry items in it and so on. Making your own bowl actually is another way you can add your energy to your offering bowl. And also like it's got that extra element of saying to the spirits, look, I made this especially for you, which is always such a wonderful offering. It's like you're giving up your time, your energy, and your talent. I also think of like those places like Color Me Mine, where you could paint or design and they fire the clay bowl and you could make some beautiful offering bowl with like a sigil or some magical symbols on it or symbols representing the spirit or the deity. So you can make something really beautiful too. And that's a wonderful way to work. Now, when you have your bowl and you work with a spirit, it's very, very appropriate to get that bowl and say, 
make a presentation of that bowl to the spirit. So if you're working, let's say, with, um, let's say you're working with Aphrodite. And so you could make a beautiful Aphrodite bowl. You could make it in her special colors, or you could get by one, or you could do however you wanted to do it. And then you would say to Aphrodite, this is your special offering bowl, and I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to make offerings to you in it. Saying that and establishing that and saying it out loud is a fantastic way to start that connection or deepen that connection with your spirits. So designate that bowl specifically for that spirit and then make your offerings in it, but let the spirit know this is your offering bowl and the things that I put in here are for you only. This is your special bowl and that can be a very, very beautiful way to work. So who can you make offerings to? Well, You want to make an offering to any deities or spirits that you want to have a relationship with or that you already have a relationship with. You can make offerings, as I mentioned, to specific deities, to gods or to goddesses. You can make offerings to your ancestors. You can make offerings to elements. You can say element of wind or element of earth or element of fire. I'm making this offering to you. You can make offerings to nature spirits, spirit of the forest, spirit of the water, spirit of the sky. You can make those kinds of offerings. You can make your offerings to house spirits or spirits of your yard or spirits of your community. You can make offerings to the um, people from the, the past people from the land where you stand. That's a beautiful way to connect to the land is to make an offering to the spirits of the people that have lived on that land before you. You can make offerings to... Um, just sort of general offerings. If you want to not work with specific spirits, you can work, make offerings to, this is for the gods, or this is for the spirits, or this is for my ancestors as a whole. So you can sort of umbrella, make umbrella offerings. Whatever is going on, you might have circumstances or occasions where you might make an offering to a particular goddess, god, deity, element, and so on. So for example, if you're working, you know, the the holiday of Bridget comes up and you may make an offering to Bridget on that day, right? So you could make offerings based on the holiday. So you could make an offering to a certain deity, spirit, saint on the, their, their day, on their special day. So that is another way that you might want to work. So what would you offer? Well, Some practices have very special offerings based on the deity or spirit, right? So that you want to check and make sure and do your research before you start making offerings, right? Find out about more about that deity or spirit if you can and make the offerings that they like to have, right? So if you, for example, if you're celebrating a harvest, you might want to offer the first or the last or the best grains from the harvest, depending on the culture. There's lots of cultural practices with harvest offerings, right? You make a general blanket offering. Maybe you make it to a particular deity, or you might make it to the gods or the spirits in general. So an example of that is there's a Ukrainian spiritual practice of collecting the last sheaf of wheat, saving it until the winter solstice, and then creating this little sheaf of wheat called a diduk, which is a home for the ancestors. So you're making an offering to the ancestors. Now, when you're making an offering, you should always think about adding the little extra element, any little extra element, any little extra effort that you can. So for example, you could grow your own 
offerings, like plants that you've grown, vegetables that you've grown, fruits that you've grown, or gathering these things from natural spaces. Flowers that you've grown can also be a great offering, right? Now, if you're gathering from natural spaces, make sure you have permission to gather. If it's not your own property, that you have permission to gather either from the park or the person who owns the property and so on. You just don't want to go in and take something, steal something. So make sure you have permission to gather. But if you're gathering from your own garden, your own you know, window box or wherever, you have no problem with that. You can ask the spirit of the plant. If you're gathering plants, um, you know, just take enough. Don't take all of the plant, but just take enough that you can let the plant be, but ask the spirit of the plant before you take that offering and thank the spirit of the plant for that offering. Now, if you're offering food, and food is very much a thing that we would put into an offering bowl, the spirits, as I mentioned before, might have special offerings that they want. So as we talked about before, the domovic, the house spirit, likes to have a little bite-sized piece of your breakfast in the morning. That could be a piece of toast. Um, it could be some porridge. It could be some yogurt. It could be a cup of little cup of milk. Um, that's an example of special offerings that a certain spirit might want. But spirits have all kinds of wants, and you have to find out and do your research depending on the spirit that you're working with. They could be wanting seeds or grains or incense. They might want coins or money. They might want salt. They might want water. They might want alcohol or coffee, tea, or milk, or food that's been prepared, cakes, cookies. All of these things are examples of offerings and really anything under the sun can be an offering, you know, as long as it's something that has life force energy into it. So how much of this stuff could, should you offer? Do you need to get like a five pound sack of flour to make an offering to a certain deity? Well, in most cases, you don't need a lot. Really, it depends on how much you sense is appropriate. But in most cases, that's a small amount. Just really a bite size amount is really usually enough. The only exception to that would be something like if you are doing uh, an offering in thanks for a harvest, then you might want to put more of that on the, you know, to show abundance. You might want to put more of that offering on in the bowl, but usually just a bite is enough. First, so for those special occasions, special holidays, you might want to offer something more than you usually do. But overall, really, your offerings don't have to be very big, very expensive, very extravagant, very time-consuming or or large. And they should always, any offering you make should be within your means. Like I mentioned before, your offerings don't even have to cost you anything if you're growing your own plants. You can pick things for free and make those be your offering. Um, usually about, about a bite or a spoonful is sufficient for the spirits. They get the energy from the food or the th- offering that you're making. They don't need to fill their stomachs. They don't have stomachs, so they don't need to fill it. They just need to have that energy of the offering. So how often should you make these offerings? Well, that's a personal decision that you get to make, and it really depends on your lifestyle and the level that you want to sort of accelerate the relationship with the spirit. You can make offerings daily. I mean, people, there are people that do make offerings daily and it can be part of your daily practice, but you could certainly even go weekly or monthly. You might want to do it in tune with moon cycles, or you could just be making offerings only on holidays and special occasions like festivals or rites of passage or saint days or things like that. Maybe you have a special quid pro quo that you're doing with a saint or a spirit and you do it and you make the offering and then you're done. And that may be the only offering you make to them because you had that quid pro quo and then you're complete. 
Now, whatever you're doing, if you're not doing it on that quid pro quo basis and you're really trying to develop a relationship with that spirit, then you want to make sure that you're making that offering on some kind of regular cycle. So don't make like an offering every day for 10 days and then don't make an offering um, for two months or six months and then come back again and do 10 days. It's, It's not really developing a steady relationship or building that relationship, right? How do you make a friend? You hang out with your friend, you know, every weekend, and that's how you develop a friendship. And the same thing here, you want to make a, some sort of repetitive cycle so that you can develop that relationship with the spirit. So where do you make your offerings? Well, you can most certainly, probably the most popular place to have an offering bowl and to make an offering is inside on an altar. But you can also make those offerings outside in nature. You might set up an altar outside, or you might just set it you know, someplace in nature, set that little offering bowl up there and let the na- and let the spirits take from there. So it depends on where you're working. I can think of an example with the Nisei or the Tamte. The Tamte is the um, little kind of gnome figure in um, Scandinavian lore. He's the little, he would be like kind of the house spirit, but he lives outside. And you would leave an offering of some milk in a bowl outside for him. That's a totally legitimate, well-documented way of working with that spirit and using an offering bowl. And in that case, it would be outside. So what do you do with your offering? So you make a food offering, right? If you're making a non-food offering, you can leave it out and you can leave it out ongoing until you make your next offering, right? But if you make a food offering, it's going to be a little bit different. If it's something that spoils, you can leave it out for a day or two. Now, Either way, you know, you don't want it to get moldy or gross. As soon as it starts to like shrivel up or get moldy or something like that, it's been out too long. So that's why you want to change it or take it away after a day or two. It doesn't mean you have to replace it with a new one. You can, but if you're making an offering, let's say once a week, you can put it out, leave it out for a day or two, and then we're going to talk about what to do with it. But um, then just leave your bowl empty or put the bowl away for a week and then bring it out again the next week. So you leave that offering, that food offering out for a day or two if it's something that spoils. Now you might see that there's a change in the food. I've had examples, I've left, you know, many times I've leave, left offerings and the food disappears. Have other times that the food is like smaller or shrinks in some way. Or you might see no change in that food over the course of the day or two. But it doesn't matter if you see a change in the food or you don't see a change. Either way, the spirit is taking that energy of the offering and consuming the energy of the food. The spirit is only taking the energy of the food. If they happen to take some of the food, great, but it, the energy is what is important. Don't let that food sit out for a long time and get moldy or gross because that's a bit insulting to your, not a bit insulting, it is insulting to your spirits. So you don't want to leave them out most gross, moldy, yucky food. And that's just not nice at all. So make sure you change it out after a day or take it away after a day. Once you take it away, then you take that offering outside and you're going to leave it for the earth or the animals outside to eat. So you could put it like, for example, at the base of a tree or in the dirt. You can even bury it if it's something you want to bury or you don't want to leave it and let the earth consume it. Certainly you could leave it outside for the birds to eat. If it was a piece of bread or a cookie or something like that, the birds will enjoy it and the earth will take that back into itself. 
After you've left, taken that offering outside, you can wash out your offering bowl and you can put it away until you make another offering. I don't recommend leaving an empty offering bowl out because that's kind of insulting as well for your spirits. It's like saying, I'm giving you nothing. So not a good idea. So put it away and then bring it out again once you make your second offering. All right, so in a minute, I'm gonna teach you a couple of the very special things that you can leave in an offering bowl, but you might wanna deepen your practice of connecting with your spirits and making magic. And if you are ready to learn more about witchcraft or dive deeper into your spiritual gifts, get solid spell practice, or really build up your magical skills, you may wanna check out the full-length workshops I'm doing over the next coming months. I've got wonderful workshops the rest of the year in honor of Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft. I've got all Slavic magic workshops throughout the rest of the year for my first Sunday witchcraft workshops. That's, um, for example, I'm going to be teaching how to make Slavic spirit dolls, how to make the magical flower crowns that you can use for divination. Uh, I'm going to teach uh, talismanic embroidery and the wax pouring ritual and Slavic spinning magic, working with living fire, and also winter holiday rituals. So these are wonderful classes in Slavic magic, Ukrainian magic that you can take with me and you can find out about them by going to witchcraftworkshops.com. But I also have workshops on uh, Wednesdays, the last Wednesday of the month and the second Wednesday of the month. Last Wednesday of the month, I teach a class through Catland Books. I'll be teaching uh, not magic, witches' ladders and not magic, mermaid magic, solar magic, love magic, prosperity magic, and about the Myth and Magic of Baba Yaga. That's all through Catland Books. You can find those also by going to witchcraftworkshops.com or by going to catlandbooks.com. And the second Wednesday of every month, I teach a workshop through Ritual Craft. Um, coming up, I've got The Myth and Magic of Baba Yaga, Confident Candle Magic for Beginners, and Reading Tea Leaves. You can read tea leaves. You can find those by going to ritualcraft.com. And Ritual Craft is spelled C-R-A-V-T, or you can go find them by going to witchcraftworkshops.com. And don't forget, we've got the new moon candle spell workshops and the full moon workshops. So if you like a hands-on workshop and you want to do candle magic or some other candle magic, check those out by going to newmoonspells.com or fullmoonspell.com, and you'll find out about these wonderful workshops. We, We pack a kit up and we send it to you and then you join me for our live workshop and we have so much fun and you get a great community of magical workers that you can work with. You can find actually all of these by going to witchcraftworkshops.com and I hope you join me on a workshop coming up soon. All right, so let's talk about what kind of things that you can leave specifically for specific spirits. So an offering to a folk saint might include items that reflect something of that spirit's former life or personality. You can research your saints or your spirits and find out what they like. So for example, Saint Expedite, uh, who is this patron saint of getting things quickly and getting things done fast, you can leave him a glass of water and a slice of pound cake. If you're making offers to ans- offerings to ancestor spirits in your offering bowl, they can be things that they enjoyed in life. What did grandma or grandpa like when they were alive? If you don't know, you can ask your family. Maybe they know, or maybe you do know because you knew them in life. Find out what they liked and enjoyed. Was it things like candies or pastries or bread or tobacco or alcohol? What did they like? 
Find those beautiful things that they like and make an offering for them and you can leave it in your offering bowl. An example, a beautiful example of a seasonal, a couple seasonal examples I'm going to give you of offerings that are made at special times of the year in special practices. There's an ex- the example, of course, of Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, which is a Mexican holiday where we honor the ancestors. That They have a special bread called Pan de Muerto, which means bread of the dead. And that's a sweet bread that is made especially for Day of the Dead. And it's a key element in that Dia de los Muertos altar, the Day of the Dead altar. Oftentimes it's left with chocolate or tamales or mm, traditional dishes or dishes that the ancestors liked. And you could get that pan de muerto or you get those tamales and leave them on the altar for Dia de los Muertos. And that's a special holiday where there is an offering and you can leave that in an offering bowl. Ukrainians, uh, believe, have a, a practice of making kucha. So kucha was considered the food of the gods or the food of the spirits. And usvar, which is a drink made out of dried boiled fruit, was the drink of the spirits. These both kutya and usvar are ancient foods. Kutya is made with grains such as wheat or barley, some honey, some poppy seeds. Sometimes there's some nuts thrown in. There's It's just a, a, a very sweet porridge that's made. And these items, the grain, the honey, the poppy seeds have magic in themselves. So kutya is prepared at three times. It's prepared for Christmas Eve. It's the Eve of the New Year, New Year's Eve, and on the Eve of Epiphany or the Eve of Jordan or Jordan. So these different kutyas, you would make different kinds of kutya for those different holidays, but they were always eaten by the family, but left as an offering for the ancestors. Often that was put in the pokut, which is the home altar, and left there for the ancestors to enjoy. When we invite the ancestors in for the winter holidays, we would leave that kutya in that pokut, the corner of the house where the icons were kept, and it would stay there until the end of the holidays. So beautiful offering with kutya. Kutya was also used actually too for telling the frost or the winter to come in. We're going to make an offering to you. This is the quid pro quo so that you don't destroy our crops. So the head of the house would take a bowl of kutya and go outside at this winter time and say, frost, frost, come eat kutya with us. But if you do not come, do not come to the rye, wheat, and do not make a frost and destroy our crops, right? So you would invite the spirit to come and enjoy the kutya in exchange for protecting the crops and not freezing the, the crops. So that was another way of quid pro quo with the spirit, the spirit of the weather, the spirit of frost, right? So beautiful. Any offering that you make should be meaningful and really it should demonstrate your commitment and ser- sincerity. That's why we want to have a special offering bowl for our spirits. You can you know, make an offering of anything. But if you have a special bowl, perhaps even a special bowl that you make or a special bowl that you purchase just for that spirit, that's going to show some effort. The same thing when you're making your offering. What are you offering? Are you offering some, you know, the crust of your bread, like some part that you don't want to eat? Or are you offering the best part? Are you offering the broken cookie? Are you offering the cookie that looks perfect and beautiful? You always want to offer your spirits the best because that shows them your love and devotion. 
If you add your energy to it by making it even better, it could be as simple as baking a cookie or picking some fruit from your tree. And this shows your ancestors that and your spirits that you respect them and that you really are welcome, welcoming them and you are honoring them. You want to think about your offerings always in top of mind. Think of what you would offer an honored guest. Would you give them the broken cookie? No, you would give them the best cookie, right? You wouldn't give them the scrap off of your crust that you didn't want to eat. You would cut a piece of your sandwich and give it to them, right? So you want to pr- make that presentation very, very honoring, very respectful because these uh, these spirits deserve our respect. They're there to protect us, to help us, and to really be there as our part of our spirit guide council, right? So this is a beautiful way to show that. And that's what we use an offering bowl for. That's how we work with an offering bowl. Well, that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. If you'd like to get even more info about offering bowls, then check out the Learn page over at the Parlor of Wonders, where you'll find a ton of free resources, including workshops, blog posts, articles, how-to guides, how-to videos, past podcast episodes, And you'll also find the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, or 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to parlorofwonders.com and click on the Learn tab to see all that we offer there. I want to say thank you to all the Spell Squad members out there who have subscribed to and shared this podcast with your friends. You guys are awesome. Thank you to the fabulous folks who have left reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. Those places and those reviews really matter and really have great importance. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering. Thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing. And thank you to you for joining me, whether you're here in the room with me at the Live Magic Q&A or you're listening to this on the podcast. I look forward to seeing you again for next episode when we'll be answering the question, how do I do a money spell? Until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. 